listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 135, please. Psalm 135. Psalm 135, let's uh, read the entire psalm together. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleaseth, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent tokens and wonders into the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants, who smote great nations and slew mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for an heritage, and heritage unto Israel his people. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. And the idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. And they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together in prayer. We'll just ask the Lord's help again as we come to his word afresh. I'm going to close this over. Let's all pray. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we humbly again come into thy presence confessing our need of your help as we come to consider the word afresh. We thank you for the word. It's ever living. It's vibrant. It's real. It speaks to our souls. And so help us, O Lord, tonight to consider it carefully and to benefit from it. And may it indeed encourage and lift up our hearts in such a way that we'll praise your name afresh tonight. And so we give you thanks. We give you praise. Bless our souls, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The initial act of thanksgiving was acknowledged as being a thankfulness for God's providence. The pilgrims, being from Puritan stock, would have properly understood the doctrine of God's providence. There's a term they used regularly in their writings. And some of the men we mentioned in a study on the pilgrims, men like Brewster and Bradford, were well-versed in the teaching of a man like William Perkins, who taught on the doctrine of the providence of God. Providence. It's connected, of course, to the word provision, 
And when they had that first harvest, they acknowledged again the provision of God after a tremendously difficult winter. There was death, there was famine, there was trouble and disease. And yet harvest came and they were rightly acknowledging God's providence. But providence, as is taught in the Word of God, is about much more than food and clothing. It's about spiritual protection and guidance. It's about liberty and freedom to worship God as God provides such liberty in His grace. What about 2020? Can we see God's providence this year? Do we see Him in a year marked by a sense of loss? This year is marked by a sense of loss for many of us. People have lost jobs, lost health, lost loved ones, lost money, pension funds going down. There's a sense of fear that we may lose freedoms. There's a change in society. There's a now change in the uh, presidential office. There are so many things this year that make us feel this sense of loss. How can God's hand be in 2020? Can we see his hand in this past year? And beyond that, can we be thankful when we see his hand? And so when I come to the psalm, I want to, I want to speak a little bit about the matter of being thankful for God's providence. And I think there are principles here in the psalm that speak to us afresh in this year. As we come to the end of it and as we come to Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. First, let's consider briefly the definition of providence. I've used the term, uh, but what about it in terms of definition? Well, in verse number six, you have a, a statement. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. That's a statement, not so much of God's providence, although we'll, we'll see how it connects, but it's a statement of God's sovereignty. God reigns over all. Sovereignty, in some ways, is God's freedom to act without frustration. That's sovereignty. When you can do according to your pleasure, without any hindrance or frustration, we, we don't have that sovereignty. There are things we'd like to do, and we can't do it. I'd like to see my parents. I, I can't do it. There's a hindrance to my plans and my purposes. God has no such frustrations, no such difficulties. Whatever he pleases, that he can do. It speaks of his authority and his ability to act. God can do these things. Providence, though, is used to speak of something beyond sovereignty. Sovereignty in itself does not mean that God has to do anything or does anything. He's able to, he's free to, but providence is the description of what God actually does. God's providence is his use of his sovereign freedom. It is his actions that are, if I give you two words, interventional and intentional. God intervenes in human history. God acts on a daily basis, on a second-by-second -second basis. God acts in the affairs of men. And that he does so, he does so intentionally. God is able to act and does act with purpose in executing his plans. Plans of redemption, plans of rescue, plans of revelation. 
He's not like the idols. They're mentioned there in verse 15 through 17. They're made of silver and gold. They've mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have no breath in their mouths. That's the opposite of providence. Providence is God's actions. The idols are inactive, incapable of doing anything to change anything. But our God constantly and continually acts in the affairs of humanity. And God's actions were also present this year. That's the definition. It is God's interventional, intentional actions in the affairs of humanity. The psalm gives us a, a number of demonstrations. If that's a definition, what about the demonstrations of God's providence? Well, in the context of this psalm, verse 6 and 7 deals with God's providence in terms of the created order. He does what he pleases in heaven, in earth, in the sea. He causes vapors to ascend. He makes lightning for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Every so-called natural event is an event of God's providence. Whether it be an adverse weather system, whether it be the troubles in California with winds and fires, all of these things are in God's providential hand. Whether it be a plague or a pestilence, everything in the created order is under the sovereign providential control of God. He is able to act, and he does act, and he always acts interventionally and intentionally. Nothing is accidental. Nothing is without purpose. His providence is seen in creation. His providence is seen also in terms of redemption. Verse number four, for the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great and that the Lord is above all gods, whatsoever the Lord pleased. So don't miss the connection going forward there from verse four. Often we see the Lord's providential sovereignty in what follows, but it also goes backwards in these verses. God was absolutely free to choose Israel. The Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself. In the language of Romans chapter 9, he was absolutely sovereignly free to choose Jacob and not Esau. He's free to choose you or me. Not compelled, but free to act without frustration or hindrance. And when God sets his love upon an individual, nothing can prevent God saving that individual. And that is God's providence. No devil, no ruler, no authority can stop God saving a soul. Can't do it. Completely impotent against the power of God. When God sets his love upon a people, so he then is able to save that people. Can't be thwarted, can't be frustrated. You see, when God has set his love upon a people, so that then works out in redemption. Election is prior to history, but election guarantees God's providence in time, in history, and in space. He actually brings the objects of his eternal electing love to himself, so that it says there in verse number four, he hath chosen for his peculiar treasure. But when they became his treasure, that was an act in time. 
God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, sets his love upon Abraham. That was an act in time. God comes and meets Jacob. Jacob's lying on a stone, and God comes and shows mediation, shows a ladder. Here's how God is reconciled to man. God comes down to man. There was an act in time when God set his love upon Jacob, saved his soul. And so it is for all of us. 2020 will be the year of many people's rebirth. Because God is still working in his providence in applying redemption this year. This year didn't thwart God saving a soul. This year was no hindrance to God to build his church and to bring more living stones into the body. Oh, what a blessing is. God cannot be thwarted. Just as we see the picture here of Israel being his peculiar treasure, we see that worked out in the economy of redemption because we are all a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Every soul that is saved this year is an evidence of God's continuing providence and redemption. None can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Be encouraged by that. No election, no pandemic will hinder the building of Christ's church. It's impossible. God cannot be hindered or thwarted in his redemptive purposes. We also see God's providence in these verses, though, as we do go on down through the rest of the psalm. We see his providences in his judgment of the nations. Verse number 8, who smote the firstborn of Egypt. Of course, a reference to redemption, a reference to the events in Egypt. And then you've got the time when they come out of Egypt. He smites the Amorites, Sion, king of the Amorites, verse 11, all king of Bashan. And then you have the time in Canaan itself and all the kingdoms of Canaan. Here's God's providence. Interventional, intentional, stepping into history and judging Egypt, judging the Amorites, judging the Canaanites for all of their wickednesses. We would love to see America in the image of Israel in biblical terms. But does America not fall much more easily in terms of the image of the Amorites and the Egyptians and the Canaanites? Such ungodliness and such wickedness. Can we not see God's hand in judging a nation? Not just this nation. But nations across the world brought to their knees economically, brought to their knees in so many ways this year. Whoever is at play, whatever's happening, God's over it all. And there's been a humbling of people. If they could only but see it. God allows the nations, read the Bible, you see God allowing nations to go this far and no further. The days, the times of the Amorites, not yet full. But when they're full, bang, God comes judgment. God down comes God's judgment upon them. That's God's providence. And I believe we're seeing it at this time. Please note that all that God does, he does for the honor of his name and the glory of his name. Creation, redemption, the judgment of the nations, and also the chastisement of his people. Look at verse 14. It says there, for the Lord will judge his people and he will repent himself concerning his servants. And that's a mark of God's providence. He steps into time to judge, to chasten his people. 
I know that's what the verse means because it's quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 30, as part of the warnings of the backsliding of the people back into Judaism. They're going to turn away from Christ, and they're warned. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the previous verse quotes Psalm 135, verse 14. The Lord will judge His people. Has God done that this year? Oh, He has. He has chastened His people. He's judged His people. I've said so many times that one of the great tragedies this year is that for many of God's people, the response to the trials of this year has not been humility. It's been an arising pride. A pride and an arrogant spirit of self-righteousness rather than seeing the hand of God in it all and humbling ourselves before God, saying we deserve nothing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And young people, if you didn't know that last year, you should know it this year. God's not afar off, unable to act. God is acting this year. Acting in all of our lives. And so God's providence is very much evident in 2020. And as he works it all, he does it for the glory of his name. Look at verse number 13. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. As God is at work in providence in these various ways, he's working for the glory of his name, for the memorial of his name, that he would be held in honor and esteem. And as he does so, he works all of this out for the preservation of his people, Verse number 12, you know at the end of all the judgments, the end of all him doing as he pleased, it is to give their land for an heritage and heritage unto Israel his people. All the ungodly believe the Christian to be entirely self-centered when we would say such a thing as this. God works in this world for his church. And we say that and we sound, we sound egotistical, we sound, we sound self-centered and arrogant. But that's what the Bible teaches, that all of human history is coming together for the perfecting of the bride and the glory of Christ and the honor of God's name. Every single event in human history is coming to that purpose and that end. The church should be built, that Christ will be glorified, and that God will be praised in every nation. That's what human history is about. Because as the Bible says, not because I have some delusion of grandeur, but because the Bible says that. That God has made all things for himself, even the wicked. They're made for the honor and glory of God's name. Therefore, nothing has happened this year that is not for the good of the church. This recent election is for the good of Christ's church. This pandemic is for the good of Christ's church. Nothing, nothing is thwarting the eternal purpose of God for his church. And we ought to believe that. Does that mean that the church will not suffer pain and trouble? No, I just talked about chastisement. But in terms of God's eternal purpose, everything is coming together for the well-being of the church of Christ and the glory of God's name. Which leads to the last thing, and that is the matter of delighting in God's providence. The definition we've seen, we've seen the demonstration in the psalm, but note the psalm is all about delighting in this. 
Not simply observing it impassively without any reaction, but observing it and then in turn responding with delight and joy. Look at verse number three. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise unto his name, for it is pleasant, for the Lord has chosen. And then the, there is that continuation of the argument. Following the command to praise the Lord, to sing praise to his name, for it is pleasant. Praise is a process. You remember to think of it in these terms? But you don't just suddenly decide to praise God. There's a process involved in that. It's true in the Lord's day, it's true privately. Praise begins with right thinking, thinking about truth correctly. When your thoughts are wrong, you will not praise God. When your thoughts are wrong about this world, when you're listening to, to this side of the media or that side of the media, and they're presenting falsehood, and your thinking's wrong, there's going to be no praise of God. It's when you're in the Word and trusting the Word that when you have truth in your mind, then you're going to praise God. And so an absence of praise is often because we are dominated by error and not possessed by truth. And so truth comes as we meditate upon the Word, and then we see the Lord is in the heavens, and He does whatever He pleases. And we're captivated by truth. And as that truth captivates our minds, so it then moves our hearts. And expressed with our voice. Look at verse number three. Sing praise unto his name, for it is pleasant. That's the pleasure of worshiping God as we rejoice in his providence. In the same language you use in Psalm 147, verse number one, praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praise unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. I think our brother Wayne mentioned we are to count it all joy. Even we fall into diverse temptations. That's next Sunday night's message. As we consider this world and we think about it carefully and our thoughts are controlled, then the response is joy. Be good to end this year joyful. Not because our circumstances are easy, but because we've thought properly about the hand of God, the providence of God, and the purpose of God in this world. Such is pleasant. It ought to be our joy to consider God's providence every year, even 2020. So may God help us, encourage us in his word. May you eat your turkey with joy tomorrow. Thankful for God's mercy and God's favor. And whatever you choose, may you make sure that you spend time tomorrow acknowledging the goodness of God in the land of the living. He has not changed this past year. He is the same God, doing the same eternal purpose for the glory of his name, for the good of his people, even though at times his goodness is brought about through pain and trial. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. 
we extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.